I've been asked over the years what the wildest or most bizarre thing bipolar has caused me to do. That could really be a multi-part answer as I have experienced many wild behaviors of the years. So here is story one in the Bipolar Adventure series. Story one, leaving America. I think that one of the most bizarre behavior for me was deciding to move to the Bahamas on a whim. To just up and move out of the country, leaving my family and belongings. I was living in the United States at the time, to be specific, Savannah, Georgia. I was in the aftermath of a nasty divorce brought on by my condition. I was uninsured and using a free clinic to get medication. But I was using alcohol and drugs to self-medicate as well. I drank a bottle of wine to get to sleep every day and using pain pills to counteract the manic phases. At the time, I worked at a hotel as the night manager and slept during the day. It was summertime in the South, which means extreme heat and humidity. I eventually came to the point where I stopped the medication and ceased all visits with the clinic. I didn't care to exist, so why should I continue to seek help? I had a goal to die, I had no other agenda. Without the medication I was having transition swings from manic to depression. Some days the manic phases lasted several days and then I would crash. The depression sucked me in and on my days off I played a game of how many pain pills can I take and still get up the next day. When I had two days off in a row, I drank heavily and slept for two days at a time, waking up with just enough time to ride my bicycle to work and shower and change for my shift. The days eventually blurred together. I am amazed that I was able to do my job without getting fired. I was drinking at work to feel any sense of normal. Technically the job bit itself, and all I had to do was check in a few customers, set out breakfast and run the night audit on the computer. I mostly crashed and played on the computer. I would spend any free time at the local pub, meeting different women each night and going back to their place. I rarely woke up knowing where I was, the number of times I would wake up in some distant part of Savannah, and have to find my way back to my apartment were numerous. I was on a clear path to self-destruction. Plagued with manic phases, depression and hypersexuality mixed with substance abuse I had to escape. I wasn't stable at all and was unable to see my three children. I was at the lowest point of my life and my instinct was to run. I just wanted to go as far as I could afford to go and disappear. My entire focus at this point was to escape the pain of life entirely. I sold almost everything I owned and came up with a few thousand dollars. I left Savannah and caught a ride to Florida, I departed Fort Lauderdale on a plane to Nassau. I can remember the ride over, across the Atlantic Ocean to the islands of the Bahamas. I felt like Ernest Hemingway, a proud, stubborn man haunted by bipolar disorder whose only desire was drink, fight and find a fast girl for a night of fun. After all that was the way Hemingway had lived. I had a bag of blank notebooks to fill up with every thought I was going to have for the next few years. Welcome to Nassau. For the first two weeks I stored my footlocker in a cemetery under some branches and slept on the beach at night. I waited until the police did that last patrol near the fish fry that was located on the beach. It was quiet at night. There was an elderly homeless man who pushed a shopping cart full of coconuts, he sold the coconuts to the tourist. He showed me how to dehusk them and break them open. I ate coconut fresh from the trees and sometimes I went to the McDonald's. Rum was very cheap, and I drank all day to combat the extreme manic phases I was experiencing. After a couple of weeks, I found an inexpensive place to live. It was a boarding house with five rooms for guests that shared a kitchen and bath. I met a lot of interesting people at that house. I used all my resources to find a way to make money. As a classically trained artist I depended on my art to make money. During the day I sold watercolor paintings at the straw market and at night I did caricatures at the various bars. I would have my mother send me art supplies from the US to avoid the hefty prices for supplies in the Bahamas. 
She would include altered receipts declaring a lower value, so I only had to pay minimum tariffs on received goods. This lasted a couple of months until I met a local who owned a large house and invited me to stay with him and his housemates in exchange for art. He commissioned several large canvases in exchange for room and board. I used alcohol to control the mania and cocaine to control the depression and cannabis to relax me during the days. In most people this would have been incapacitating but the advanced state of my disorder simply allowed me to function normally. I don't condone this at all, and I simply dealt with the circumstances on a day-to-day basis. Living in that house opened my eyes to the world. There were housemates from Africa, Cuba, Jamaica, and France. I successfully hid my disorder from them, except for the man who owned the house. His name was Simon, and he could tell that something was wrong with me. I explained to him my disorder, and he was very supportive. Away from IT all. Simon introduced me to a man named Kevin, who worked as a videographer for a resort. Kevin lived alone on a sailboat in the Exumas. After a few months I traveled to the island with Kevin. He worked on this island that was used as a day resort for tourists. The tourist arrived early in the morning and stayed until around 4 in the afternoon, then headed back to Nassau by boat. Simon thought it would do me good to get away from everything. He said staying on an island in the middle of the ocean with no TV or phone or computer could help me. Kevin put me to work right away after clearing it with his boss. I swept the beach every morning and put out the tables and chairs. I helped hose out the bathhouse and caught fish for our daily meals. I had a dive master scuba rating from a few years back when I tried to make a living in the scuba industry. I was allowed to live on the island, eat the provided food in exchange for leading scuba tours around the reefs. I spent a few months doing this before heading back to Nassau. Back in the house with Simon I was finally relaxed enough to start planning my eventual future. I had cleared my head, cut back on the alcohol and drugs. The manic phases still came daily but I was finding ways to cope. I went on several smuggling trips from Nassau to Florida with some of Simon's friends. We brought coolers full of Bahamian alcohol and large amounts of cannabis into the States. And on the trip back to Nassau we frequently brought items that were hard to get in the islands, for a small fee of course. On one trip we brought back a refrigerator from Costco on the back of the boat. I went along for the sake of doing it, to experience life like Hemingway did. I kept journals of all the trips and my time in the islands. I made many friends and many lovers during the time in the islands. Most of it is still a blur, but there are several fond memories. South of the border. Eventually I returned to the States but acclimating to life in the States was difficult. Being in my hometown, near my ex-wife was a major trigger. Having to deal with the custody issues, the lack of an income, and all the anxiety of life hit me hard. I hadn't prepared for what life issues I would be facing. I wasn't as prepared as I thought I was. I panicked and I left two months later for Mexico. I took a Greyhound from Atlanta to Brownsville, Texas. Then crossed over to Matamoros, Mexico where I boarded a bus for a five-day journey to Playa del Carmen. I lived there for a few months, selling paintings, and drinking copious amounts of alcohol. It was the same as Nassau without all my friends. But it was the same daily struggle of massive waves of mania and crippling bouts of depression that tore through me like a hurricane. The voices in my head had gotten louder, and my mind was flooded with internal dialogue. Sleep was even more rare nowadays, I rarely went to bed. I spent nights sitting on the beach looking up at the sky. I grew weary of this lifestyle. I struggled to make money, felt the burden of my existence, and missed my children. The constant consumption of alcohol was taking effects on my body, I had been drinking heavily for over two years. I never considered myself an alcoholic, I used alcohol as a medication, and ends to a means that allowed me to function like a person without mental health issues. But I recognized the dangers and destruction I was facing by continuing to drink daily. 
One afternoon after several days without sleep, I walked around the city, waving to all the people I had come to know. I went to the Catholic Church, to rest my mind. I sat in the back of the church, thinking of all I had left behind. I thought about my daughters and my son. I was ashamed for leaving them, but I knew that mentally I was not capable of functioning as a parent. I had nothing to offer them, I was broken to the point of wishing for death daily. I had traveled so far from home trying to find myself, trying to fix my problems. It was at that moment that I realized it wasn't going to get any better. While I sat at the back of the church a priest approached me and sat in the pew in front of me. He placed his arm on the pew and turned looking at me. You seem troubled, would you like to talk about it? He asked with true kindness. I've been running so long, from all my problems. I'm tired, and I feel like I can't run any longer. I want to go home, but if I do I will have to face the consequences of leaving in the first place. I was broken, and he could see my pain. All I can tell you is that every time you run from your troubles, wherever you arrive, those troubles will be there waiting on you. You have to stand up to them and face them. Work them out one by one and conquer whatever you need to, then you can have peace. Those were the wisest words anyone had ever said to me. And it was true, and in that moment of clarity I realized that I needed to return home and get medical help. It took several weeks to get home. I had little to no money and was forced to ride the bus back through Mexico, back to the United States. From Texas I went through New Orleans and back to South Carolina. It was snowing when my bus pulled up to my home state, and I only had shorts and short-sleeved shirts. I stepped out of the bus and found my mother in the crowd waiting for me. She didn't recognize me at first, my hair was down to my shoulders, and I had a full beard. The compass and the anchor. Within a week of arriving home, I had made my first appointment at the state mental health center. Within a month I was seeing a doctor, a counselor and taking medication. One month later I had a job at an internet call center. It took two years of therapy, medication, regular doctor's visits and lots of journaling to get me to a place where I could say that I was on the right track to better mental health. Bipolar took me on a journey over thousands of miles and back to where I started in an attempt to realize that I honestly wanted to live, but life was extremely difficult. My rationalization was to run as far as I could away from those problems. Bipolar disorder left me incapable of simply handling my issues. Being medicated and in a functional place now, I realized that my attempts to run from my problems made no sense. But understanding that without medication I am incapable of handling day-to-day -day issues was a tough lesson. I realize now that daily maintenance is required to function with mental health issues. I have followed the compass and found my way home, where I have anchored myself to a healthier life. Copyright 2021 James Heaton